Okay, um, this is the Fiction Old and New Book Group, and today is uh, January 3rd, 2020, a new year, and tonight we're discussing uh, The Bean Trees, which is actually Barbara Kingsolver's first novel. Oh. And, is there a um, kitty? Yeah, I hear a kitten. It sounds really good. I hear a kitty, too. Oh. Yes, I do, too. Huh, that's interesting. Hmm. Well, I'll, sorry, Michelle. That's okay. <laughs> it's so adorable. Everybody likes kittens. It's uh-huh. great. Okay. Oh, <laughs> Mine are all sleeping, so it's not all. So I think everybody's been here before, but just in case we have anybody who's new, um, what we usually do is um, I just give a little introduction about the author. And then Sherry uh, calls on each person one by one. So that way everybody has a chance to, you know, say a couple of their thoughts about the book. And then once everybody's had a chance to talk, then we open it up for general discussion. So anyway, let me tell you a little bit about Barbara Kingsolver. Um, She was born in Annapolis, Maryland in 1955. And she grew up in uh, Carlisle, Kentucky. When she was seven years old, her family briefly lived in the country of Congo, where her father worked as a physician. So if you've ever read the Poisonwood Bible, it sounds a little familiar like what her life was. Um, She attended DePaul University on a music scholarship, but she graduated with a degree in biology. She worked as. I'm sorry. No, I'm not sorry. Oh, that's okay. She worked as. She worked as a freelance science writer before she won a short story contest in the local newspaper. Um, She's been married twice, and she has two daughters. Uh, During her first marriage in 1992, she moved with her oldest daughter. Her youngest daughter had had not been born yet. Uh, She lived for one year in the Canary Islands because she was protesting American involvement in the Gulf War, and she wanted to leave the United States and live somewhere else. Um, In the year 2000, she established... I I didn't realize that she was actually behind this prize. There's um, a a pen... The pen, P-E-N, organization has a bellwether prize for socially engaged fiction, and she's actually the person who started this prize, and it's given out once every two years, and along with that, she gives out to the a winner $25,000. That's completely her own money that she's giving to the winner. Um, oh. She's written uh, novels and essays, and she's uh, written works of nonfiction. Her best-known work is The Poison, Poisonwood Bible, Um, Tonight's book, The Bean Trees, was her first published novel. And if you like the book and you want to find out what happens to the characters, there's actually a sequel called Pigs in Heaven. And the last thing I'll just mention is, this is something that she, she wrote herself about the bean trees. She said, I always think of a first novel as something like this big old purse you've been carrying around your whole life throwing ideas, characters, and all the things that have ever struck you as terribly important. 
one day, for whatever reason, you just have to dump that big purse out, and there lies a pile of junk. You start picking through it and assembling it into what you hope will be a statement of your life's great themes. This is how it was for me. It probably wasn't until midway through writing that I had a grasp of the central question. What are the many ways, sometimes hidden and underground ways, that people help themselves and help each other survive hard times? So that's what she kind of thinks is the central point of, of this book. Um, so now I will turn it over to Sherry. Okay. Well, I would love to start by calling on the kitten, but I think it's <laughs> <laughs> still talking. <laughs> I know it sounds so cute. I will call. I just love hearing that kitten. Me too. It adds to the discussion. I will call on Don Queen first. Don, did you read the book? Or I did indeed. Uh, finished up yesterday. Uh, it was a very good. I was enjoyed reading it. By the way, they didn't get too much into the graphic or the horrible things that were happening it, it sounded like the, the bad end of a case <laughs> but uh, anyway I did enjoy the, the book the character was pretty sharp I, I don't know was, can I just stop you for one second I, I, I'm so sorry I just wanted to I made a little list of the characters names I'm just well, gonna do. go yeah. over those just in case people forget um, so the main characters were Taylor Yes. Um, and there was her mother, whose name I forgot. And then there's uh, Luann and Maddie and Turtle and Esteban and Esmeralda. Okay, I'm sorry, Don. Why don't you continue? Okay. Yeah, well, uh, Esteban and uh, Esmeralda were really kind of really nice people. The... Uh, <laughs> the uh, her main character, though, reminds me of a Stephanie Plum story, but my <laughs> wife used to read. She didn't like me selling her that, but anyway, that, <laughs> the, the, uh, uh, they, it was very, very down-to-earth, I would say, and, um, and uh, of course, we, I guess you want to do the sequel because you don't know how things are going to follow up because they could go very badly still. Okay, um, Alan? Yeah, uh, I, I enjoyed it too, and I, I think it's probably like like Michelle said, uh, with with the with the big purse metaphor she's talking about. It it does a good job of of how showing how people that are facing hard times can can get along by helping each other and stuff. And I just she just really did a good job with her characters and stuff, and and showing that, and uh, it just it made you feel good. And of course, there was a lot of a good southern expression since she was from Kentucky thrown in there too. So most of them which involve pigs, it seemed like they're hogs, but uh, uh, not. And, and we don't keep pigs as pets down here. So don't, <laughs> don't even ask that. And, uh, but, uh, uh, but, uh, but but yeah, not in uh, the house anyway. Not in the house. Yeah, right. Uh, Alan, <laughs> some of yeah. them do. <laughs> uh, okay, well, uh, uh, and we do have indoor plumbing and electricity, Michelle. So, uh, but. Uh, Poor but, Michelle's uh, not going to yeah. live that down. <laughs> you know that, that that book did show the bad side of being poor too. I mean, as there were there were good people. You know, she gave there were some real mean people in there. Right, right, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, it, it, being poor is not great. I, I got to tell you, but it, but it seems like 
I think I'd much rather cast my lot in life with a bunch of people who don't have anything. I have a feeling I'd be treated a lot better than I would if I cast my lot with a bunch of rich folks and stuff. Oh, yeah. But, uh, mm-hmm. uh, but, but uh, anyway, it's just, I really like the characters and it was a good story. And that it's like Don said that they didn't get into all the, you know, the bad stuff. I mean, they, they brushed around it without giving you like detailed descriptions, which, uh, which I appreciated. And it just, it just, I need to read some more. This is the first Barbara King Solver book I've read. I need to read some more of her stuff. I think I'd like her. But anyway, thanks. Okay. Uh, Joshua. Hi. Hi. Um, I, I, I thought I'd kind of join the, join the meeting, but I'm, when, when I read the summary of this book, I realized I read this book, you know, several years ago. I do not remember. I do not really remember much about it, but I did, I did read the book several years ago and I, I do, I do remember enjoying it, but, uh, Interestingly, interestingly enough, at least for me, this was one book that I did not have in my massive Bard collection because quite quite often it's kind of funny. I think it is kind of quite often when I get the when Alan sends out the 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 the, 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 the um the, the reminders, which I which I find very useful. Um, quite quite often if if there's a, a certain book club besides this one and like some of the other ones that I want to join, quite often I I have I. It happens that I have the books stuff that they want. They want to read before. I don't have to download them because they already have them. This one wasn't the case. I had to down. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to be downloading it now. But um, what I remember about the book, I, I did remember enjoying it. And uh, and and like Alan, I think I'm definitely going to be reading more uh, Barbara Kingsover because because she definitely is a good writer. I think and um, it, it's kind of nice to read kind of you know simple simple stories. You know about about you know good. You know, uh, people wanting to help each other, and you know things, things, things like that. So I'm, 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 uh, I'm looking, I'm looking forward to, to, to rereading the book and the sequel um, because I did not know there was a sequel, and that's that's good to know because I remember, remember enjoying the book. So. Okay, uh, Liz. Um, okay, I read the book about two years ago, and my sister-in-law recommended it to me and really raved about it. I remember kind of enjoying it but wasn't so taken with it that I went ahead to read the sequel. Um, and I don't know why that is. I think I just had so many books that I were in my queue to read, but maybe I'll, I'll go back and take a look at the sequel now. Cause I do remember enjoying it. It was, it was a pretty, it was a nice story. And, um, but it, it wasn't, wow. I, a friend of mine was, I was telling her about this morning and she said that of the King Solver books, her favorite was, of course, the Poisonwood Bible. And there's another one about butterflies. Um, she writes a lot about nature. So there are other King Solver books that I would like to read. Okay. Ladon? I wasn't too fascinated uh, with it. I give it about a, a C. When she left uh, home, I kind of got the idea that she wasn't too smart. She's going to come to the first to this town, and she said, "Oh, she come to Taylor." Well, I just named myself Taylor because I don't like the name that I had before. And uh, I thought, well, that's pretty difficult. If you go get a job, what are you going to tell them? You yeah. know, you're going to have to tell them your real name or something, and then file, file your income tax like that. Uh, but she had a pretty good. Uh, 
uh, able to catch on the job, although she worked in a fast food place. Uh, that wasn't too good, you know. And she was lucky to find, uh, I forgot the lady's name, but the tire lady that had tires and go to work for her. And the main people in the book seemed to be the government because they were going to come and grab the refugees and send them back where they could be murdered. And uh, the man's family had been murdered. The, his brother and sister, sister-in-law, and, uh, the, and have their own baby had been taken away uh, and given to who know what. So that was a scary part. And, but, uh, you know, when uh, then when she decided to go back uh, and take the baby back to, to the Indian village to see if she could find the parents, because that was impossible. And uh, you, you knew when she started that there was no way she was going to find the parents. And when she got back there, it was all different, different owner of the restaurant. Everything, nobody knew anything. But she was pretty smart on how she figured out how to create a false adoption papers by having the couple uh, pretend that they were the baby's parents and were giving her up. And so, and so that, that worked out pretty good when we went to the uh, uh, place and signed all the papers and they cried over like they were really really the parents and, and they were trying to give the baby up I think you know but uh, that worked out pretty that worked out pretty good for her then and when she went called her mother in the end you know and she said well I, I'll come I'll come see you next time some other time and I thought oh well that might be a long time and I thought how you know, how difficult it is to be separated from your parents and that and so forth. But I give it about a C, and I, I, it didn't excite me. I, I would not necessarily go for the sequel. Okay, uh, Joni. Well, I started the book, and well, I just couldn't connect with it. I I didn't. I, I found it to be kind of boring, but it also might have been the uh, state that I've been in. I've had several people pass away recently that were in my life, and that um, so it's very possible. But I, I just didn't really feel like reading it. Um, I didn't realize she wrote the Poisonwood Bible. I loved that. I thought that was one of the most wonderful books. I learned an awful lot from reading that uh, about the whole the Congo thing and everything. Um, so I don't know. Maybe I'll maybe I'll try this again. Maybe I just have to be in a better frame of mind to read it. But okay. I. I figured I tried, and I was almost thinking of the Marsh's two-hour rule, <laughs> but I think I read it for less time than two hours, so. <laughs> oh, sorry for your okay. losses. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Thank was, you. Uh, 573, area code? Oh, Deanna. Hi. Oh, hi. <laughs> um, I've read all of her books. 
I don't remember which one I I'm started sorry, could with. Could you just tell, tell us your name just so we know your Deanna. first name? Deanna. Deanna. Oh, hi, Deanna. Okay. <laughs> um, I read this one and the sequel, and then I read all of her novels and then some of her essays, and um, I like her. Um, but then she's a... Uh, she has that element of social consciousness in her books, and this one is to pe- make people aware of the um, the appalling situation that causes people to leave someplace. the 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 refugee thing is very real, and people get so. Um, so antagonistic to people fleeing when they really don't have a choice. It doesn't matter whether you're talking about people living, leaving Libya and going to Germany or England or people trying to cross their own border. They don't just pack up and leave for no reason. Um, it, it takes a lot to go someplace you've never been that speaks a language that you don't really speak that well and, you know, to take the risks to try to get there. I mean, it's, it's all pretty devastating. And, of course, as a Native American, um, for me, there is the fact that these are other Native Americans. I mean... <laughs> whether you're Canadian or from Mexico or Guatemala or Honduras or Colombia or wherever you're from in Central or South America, we're all the same people. Um, we may speak various languages and there may be variations in, in how we look, but she was right in that um, for Esperanza and Stephen to hide among other Native Americans I think they would have been welcomed and they would have been helped um, just as a matter of course because all of those people on the, the Cher- in the Cherokee Nation were forced to, and they didn't choose to end up there, um, they were forced to go there and they understand being ripped away from everything you know and trying to make your way and trying to make a better life. Um, so there's a, there's a connection there. Um, I liked the um, <coughs> qualities of, um, as far as, as why Marietta chose to change her name, she never liked her name in the first place. That's why she wanted to be called Miss Marietta when she was a little girl and then got called Missy by her family and friends most of her life. And the reason she had the name Marietta was just as silly as deciding that wherever her she ran out of gas, that's what she'd name herself because that's what her mother told her about her own conception was that their car broke down in Marietta, Georgia, so... When she got pregnant, she decided to name the baby Marietta. And she was uh, 
humorously thinking, oh, God, just keep them going a little farther. I don't want to be that. You know, <laughs> she went along to these towns, got to Taylorville and said, oh, Taylor, I can live with that. <laughs> <laughs> so I can understand that because it's also Native American that we change our names throughout our life. Um, we're often called one thing as an infant, and then as we grow, um, we're given honor names throughout our life, and it has nothing to do with our birth certificate name. So we understand the idea of a spirit name and a um, that has to do with who we are as a person and a birth certificate name, which is completely different because that's government. And you don't really want the government to know who you are in your inner self anyway. So my family's history was that when the government went around and asked us to give names, um, the the family I'm descended from um, were confused about that, didn't know what they meant, you know, (laughs) by having a last name. They knew about clan names, um, and we were Elk Clan, and we were, our band was was Juan, um, Juan Creek, and but we had a French trapper living with the family at the time, whose name was something like Bissois, and when we tried to say that to the government people who were writing things down, they wrote it down as Fisher, and so that's the family legend of how we got that as a family name, and then. You know, <laughs> through through time and so forth, we still think of ourselves as Elk Clan Swan Creek Chippewa, but it's so our names. My current name is Shamigamakwe, which means quiet water, and that's why I use it on my writing. But you know, names are fluid <laughs> with Native Americans, so there's no reason why she couldn't change her name if she wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Or be given a name, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, she was an Indian. Someone. It was the baby that was an Indian. Yeah. Yes, but, but she was part. She was part Cherokee too. At one eighth. Yeah. Right. That's right. But among the Cherokee, the they had a chief, a female chief named Wilma Sixkiller. Oh, a long time ago, who said that. If we were going to follow the custom of being responsible for um, seven generations of people, then she would recognize anyone as a Cherokee who could show they had a 32nd degree of connection because if you wanted, um, and that she put that in, into the Cherokee law. So it's not a 16th or an 8th, it's a 32nd that they would, um, if you can trace a 32nd, then you are one of the Cherokee. It's interesting. Um, um, we have a few more people to go, so uh, sure. I'm going to move ahead to so, Abby. No, I enjoyed the book. Okay, okay good. Okay, yeah, well, um, I, I, I enjoyed the book. I thought the page was very good. I didn't, you know, I, I was very riveted almost from the beginning. Um, I, I find it interesting that this book reflects 
the situation of immigrants today, uh, I don't think it's that much different. In fact, it's probably much worse than it was back then. But today, you know, as you all know, you know, President Trump is trying to do everything possible to keep as many immigrants from coming in here as possible, as uh, much as possible. So I think that, I, so it's kind of a reflection of, of what's happening in the book, too. Um, now, I, did somebody say the sequel to this is Pigs in Heaven? Is that right? Yes, I, yeah, okay. it is. Yeah, I read that years ago, but I don't remember what it was about. I just remember the title, so I'm probably going to, I'm going to go back and read that again uh, just to see what happens to these characters. It's definitely an interesting book. I, I enjoyed it. So. Okay. Um, Randy? Randy has joined us. Randy, do you want to tell us what you thought? Hi, Randy. Randy? Oh. Randy, are you muted? Hi. I read the book a while back, but I really couldn't get into it. So it just didn't hold my interest. And I've read several. I've tried to read several of her books, but just couldn't get into it, so. Okay. Michelle. But it's an interesting discussion. Yeah. Michelle? Okay, sure. Um, well, I, I, I'm, I'm happy to hear that there's a lot of different opinions, because that's always interesting to me when people have really different opinions about books. Um, I, I, you know, I was reading this book, and I was trying to remember if I had read it before. And I really thought I had read it before, but I, I don't, I just, if I read it before, it must, this book was published 30 years ago, so it must have been a very long time ago, because everything didn't seem that familiar to me. Um, I would say, I mean, I, I liked it overall, and it, it's really interesting to me to see how socially engaged she is, and you can see it in the book. I mean, all the different things that she, she talks about in the story, um, it was it was interesting to me. I didn't realize that that she was as 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 much of a social activist apparently as as she really is. Um, I, I I think that the question that I kept thinking about when I was reading this book is, would this story happen today? In the sense that would somebody be able to come up to somebody in a car and just hand them a baby? And, you know, and then the person could take the baby and they could engineer this whole kind of scheme that they had where they made believe that, you know, they, that they were the parents. And I think she said in the book that the reason why they believed it was because she was a white woman and she was swearing that these Mayan couple were, were really the parents. And I just thought to myself, I don't know today with the internet and the way people think, you know, check things out and camera phones and all kinds of stuff with, you know, would somebody take a picture of this, uh, you know, as she was being handed the baby and things like that. So I, I did kind of wonder, it made me feel like maybe the story was something that couldn't happen today, but I, I don't know. I'd be interested to hear after we open the discussion up if people think that this is a story that feels dated to them or, or something that could happen. Um, I love the community that she built up. I thought that was wonderful because that's very, that's really interesting to me. Not everybody has like such a warm and fuzzy family and it's always interesting to me that people find their own families and they have these kind of really strong friendships and they really help each other, and they find a community sometimes outside of their, you know, nuclear family or, or you know, their, you know, their own whatever situation that they have. So I really, I really liked it. I liked her friendship with, 
Luann. I liked the way that people helped each other out a lot. Um, that was kind of one of the big draws for me in the story. I kind of liked her sort of pluck, um, Taylor. I just thought she had a lot of, um, I don't know, adventure in her, and she had a lot of strength, and, and she has a lot of goodness in her. Um, I guess the one thing that I would have liked more was uh, there was like there were some funny things in the story. Like at one point, she said the traffic moves slower than a government check, and obviously there's not so many checks anymore. But I understand what they meant by that. And then the other thing that she said was her friend Lou Anne learned all she knew about medicine from General Hospital. And as somebody who used to watch General <laughs> oh, yeah. Hospital, oh, I yeah. thought to myself, yeah, that makes total sense. I mean, I guess nowadays it'd be whatever medical show is on TV that people watch. I don't know. Um, but those kind of things, they were, they were kind of interesting. I liked her writing style. Um, I did feel here and there that the story was a little slow. So I understand that some people may not have found it as quick, you know, as fast paced as they want. And there was a certain amount of uh, sadness in the story, I think. Um, but there was a lot of joy and hopefulness and happiness, I thought, as well. So overall, I, I really liked the book a lot. And like I said, if anybody had any thoughts about um, if they thought that this was something that felt dated to them or, or could happen today, I'd be so interested to hear your opinion about that. Okay, I think we've hit everybody. This is Sherry, and I did not read the book because I did not think I was going to be able to come tonight. I will say, anybody that liked her writing, I thought the Poisonwood Bible was excellent, and so I would highly recommend that. So now we'll just open it up to uh, discussion. Uh, just an item. Uh, in California, they had recently passed a law that, uh, you know, where you have these cases where the uh, unwed mother abandons the baby in the hospital, and you go to jail. Uh, well, they they took that out, but they're still having that problem. So, it, it is a ongoing problem. A lot of states have uh, laws where you can leave the baby at a fire station and, or a police uh, station, yeah, 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 or an emergency room. Yeah, I can't remember exactly the name of it, but they do have, and it has to be within. Right. right away. I mean, you can't just take your five-year-old child and drop them off right, at the police right. station. You know? uh, <laughs> our three-year-old. I know a lot of 14- and 15-year-olds that would be homeless. <laughs> our three-year-old, as this one was, you know, she, she didn't want to become Marietta, but I... We're getting a lot of background noise, so if people are doing anything except yeah. listening, could you mute with Alt-A or on the phone, star six? I'm not sure how to do it on an iPhone. It's got to be there somewhere. Sorry, yeah, LaDonna. Yeah, somebody was yeah I was, was going to say, if I if I met someone and they said their name was Marietta, I would have to tell them, that's very charming. I love that name. And I do, I, I, I do that yeah. with a lot of people when, when they come with, with uh, charming names. A uh, waitress may come up and say her name is Marietta and I'll, I'll tell her that oh that's so charming your mother you know named you that's really nice and I really think that when I say that it might make someone feel good I hope it does but I was thinking <laughs> I was thinking if someone come and put a baby in my car uh, uh, and, and and run off jumped in a truck and ran off left it first place I'm going is a police station yeah, this lady yeah, exactly. was very lucky. Okay. What if a cousin had said, oh, we would take that baby. You kidnapped it. Boy, would she ever be in a 
a mess. I've taken it out of state and everything. It was uh, she took yeah. a terrible chance and was yeah, just lucky it, that it didn't turn out that way. Yeah, I think it would be harder to do this today, but oh, I yeah. do know that in some communities that their first course may not be to go to the man. Um, children are often raised by other people. Um, you know, uh, what I'm trying to say, okay, my familiarity is with the African-American community. Yeah, informal and, adoptions, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. informal adoption, yeah. right. So, you know, you, you take each other's kids, and you may not want to go to the police because the police are generally your friend, or you don't think they're your friend. So... I think it would be much harder for this to happen today. And I don't think he, I don't even think 30 years ago when this book was, you know, I don't think it was a, a real easy thing to do. So I, you know, a real common it, thing, but, but I think it did happen though. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it did happen though. Um, I had a friend who was, um, she was teaching overseas for the, for the military. Um, military often hires teachers to, mm -hmm. Um, serve wherever military units are and she was stationed in Japan and she went on vacation to the Philippines and she was walking through a marketplace and a woman came up to her and handed her a, a tiny infant she says I have no milk I can't feed her I've been keeping her alive on rice water you take her Oh, that's so sad. And the, in, the infant was obviously malnourished. It was a very tiny little girl. And my friend was flying there on a military passport. And on a military passport, you don't have to have a separate document for each of your children. So she first <coughs> went to the nearest hospital because she was very worried about the baby surviving at all. And yeah. they said, yes, it was malnourished and dehydrated. And they gave it fluids and, you know, uh, so she didn't know what to do. Um, she was single, and but she was in her mid-30s. So she inquired at the military hospital, um, could she take it back to Japan with her? And they said, yes, you can, you can take the baby with you because you don't have to have it listed on your passport and it doesn't have to have a separate passport if it's military dependent. So she did. And then when she got to Japan, she had to go through the rigmarole of getting the proper paperwork. Oh, and Boy. I was serving in the Peace Corps in 1977 when I gave birth to my first child and I was working with blind children and um, when we were getting ready to go home, there were three children that were um, at risk that I was working with. And my husband and I decided we couldn't take all three, but we would make the offer to bring one. And we went to the parents or the family of one of the children, an eight-year-old boy that I had been, when I first found him and been working with him for two years. And when I approached the man I thought was his father, he told me that he was not the baby's father, that when the baby was two weeks old and it was obvious it was going to be blind, the mother left it and ran off. And because he was her chief, um, 
he took it in and he had about 30 children he was raising. Oh my God. And so he said what he would do is he and his wife would go to court and tell people that, um, because his, he and his wife had never uh, signed a document of marriage. They'd lived together for 35 years, but they, you know, they had no marriage license and, um, they really didn't have birth certificates, um, unless they were born in the hospital. Um, so he said, I'll go to court with my wife and I'll explain that because we are not married, even though we've been living together for 35 years, the the child is illegitimate and we are, we want to give it up for adoption. And that's what they did. And so when I left Samoa, I came home with a, with a six week old daughter and a 10 year old son. And we got to Hawaii and found out that we had the wrong paperwork, but it was midnight. We'd already been flying for almost 24 hours. And, um, so standing there with a custom man looking at my paperwork and he said, you know, you have the wrong, wrong paper. This is a student visa. And I said, well, what they gave me. And he said, you know, and he's looking at me. I'm holding an infant. Obviously, I'm blind. I've got a 10-year-old blind child leaning against me. And he said, oh, hell, and stamped it and passed us through. And he said, try oh. to figure it, work it out when you get home. And we did. You know, we got a, um, you know, they accepted our adoption paper and we got a green card and all of that stuff for our son eventually. But, you know, so things like that, <laughs> that was in 1977. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I think that it was easier to change identities and things like that years ago. I guess that's what I was thinking about. And nowadays, because everything's computerized and it's easier to check on stuff, I think it's May, might be harder to have these things happen. Although yeah, I don't, I don't know if somebody neat. saw somebody handing somebody a baby. You know, would they take a picture of it? You know, yeah, like people yeah, take pictures happen. of everything nowadays. Well, it was my understanding that when that when uh, Taylor got Turtle, there was nobody else around. The parking lot was deserted. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that that is true. That is. Then true. you have the store. Uh, security cameras if she's in a parking lot. Well, not uh, in the 70s. This is no, no, I mean, now you would, like yeah. Joe was saying with in pictures. The 80s, so. yeah. Well, well but it, I, a lot I mean, of places, I, though, have cameras that don't even have film in them. They just have them for the look of the yeah, thing. That's yeah. true. Uh, the other or thing they're that copied thought, over every 72 hours or something like that. Yeah, they keep, they do. I, I mean, the other thing was the the whole issue, which is obviously a difficult issue of of the child abuse and all the, when she took him to the doctor and the doctor examined, you know, Turtle and, and found out how old she really was and about the bruises that she had. And then I, I felt terrible when there was that scene in the park when she was attacked again. And that, mm-hmm. it was almost like too much reading oh, that for yeah. me. I, I, I thought just, it was I interesting. Just... The, the, the lady uh, that was babysitting a, a child was blind, and she yes. drove that guy off with her white cane. Yes, yeah. that's exactly right. That, yeah, was, that was amazing. 
that was, and but it was, it was, it was that was hard to. I mean, it was the whole thing was hard to take. But I, I thought what she was trying to say, which is a very good message, is that even though sometimes these unbelievably horrific things happen, that you can somehow mm-hmm. recover from them. And I thought that was yeah. that was a very hopeful kind of message to you know to read something like that. Well, I think that's one of the reasons why she didn't go turn the baby in to the police by the by the time she realized why the woman may have handed her the baby. Um, she she couldn't turn her back on the baby. Oh, definitely. Even I mean, though she was attached to her, and they they belonged together. They, I mean, I was afraid that she was going to leave the child with the the couple which you know would have been okay too but i really wanted them to stay together and i thought the story was kind of heading in that direction that she was going to leave them all together as a little family but she didn't um so i don't know i i felt like that might have happened well but then she'd had the child for over a year yeah, yeah, but she kind of—I mean—they had lost their child, and she was kind of watching yeah, the mother right. with, with her, and I think she, you know, she felt like maybe, whatever. So it was—I I just thought all the social issues were interesting to me in the story. Like I just didn't realize, I, it, she just threaded a lot of different social issues through this through this book about this. I, I mean, she was pretty young when she left home. I thought she was—I don't know how old she was, but she wasn't terribly old. Um, when she kind of went on the road, and um, I, I don't know, it was, it was kind of a combination of sort of you know her road story, but then all these sort of social issues too. <clears throat> Has anybody read the sequel? Does anybody want to predict? If you have not read it, I don't want to know because I'm planning to read it. No, I didn't want anybody to give it away. I was just wondering if people wanted to speculate if they have not read it. When I read, what they the hope book, will happen. When I read the book, a lot of times when I come to an end of the book, I I want to hurry up, find out. But I wasn't when I finished this book. I was not anxious to find out what happened to the characters tomorrow. No, I the, the 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 especially the uh, immigrants. Uh, you know, there they were. Something happened to them. They were there at the church, but but I wasn't. But the book didn't leave me with a hunger for more. I I want to know if they start calling her April instead of turtles, but I want to know. <laughs> well, I would think yeah. Once she starts going to school, surely I mean, yeah, the kids yeah. are going to make fun of her if she's. Called the turtle, right? Well, they, right. they, they kind of changed uh, her name. Gave her April. Turtle was her middle name. So right. by yeah. the time she go to the school, <laughs> she wouldn't. They but, wouldn't even know that. Who knows your middle name? Yeah, yeah. Y'all do. I'm so Al, Alan's my middle name. Was, yeah. Yeah. I go yeah. by Elizabeth. The, Elizabeth is my middle name too. Uh huh. So, <laughs> but but if well, but if but if your middle name was Turtle, probably they wouldn't be calling you Turtle. They'd be calling you. I don't know, because Carol. in the 70s and 80s, she had a lot of kids named all kinds of things. You had a lot of sunshines and rainbows and, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, Stormy and River. I can think of tons of names that came out of that, yeah, that sort of mm-hmm. hippy-dippy era. I guess you're right. I knew a young lady long ago. She was about to have a baby, and she was going to call him Fido. 
Oh, oh, good night. (laughs) There are kids in my sister-in-law's school system now that are named A, B, C, D, E. I don't know what's going on. I'm not kidding. Oh, my God. Yeah, oh my God! Really stupid. Yeah, the poor oh, kids. Kind of hard to pronounce. I, oh. I, I forget how she said that's pronounced. She pronounced Man, it for that, me. That's not cool. No, that's pretty darn lazy. No, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, come on. I you mean their name? That's how it's spelled, or yes. their name is A. No, their that's how their name. A-B-C-D-E. Their name is A B C D E, and that's how it's spelled. Sorry. Oh man! That's, that's how it's pronounced wow. too. No, I think Abacidi. it's pronounced ab. Could abs could something? It might even have an f on the end of it too. I, oh, I don't God. remember how far Abacidi. it goes. Abacidi. Abacidi. Yeah, I don't know, but I know it's a b c d e wow. at least. Maybe an f. I don't. Oh know. God! It's pretty bad. Okay, You couldn't love a child that you named that. Yeah. Yeah. You got to wonder. Well, there are just a lot of really impossible names. When I was in the Peace Corps, that was another thing that was funny, was that oftentimes in Samoa, the mother names the (coughs) baby after the first thing she sees. And so we had all kinds um, of names. Triplets were born in 1977 in the hospital where I gave birth. And... Um, they were born the year before. Is anybody else's sound cutting out? What? What happened? No. No. Um, I, it, and the... Anyway, in 1976, in the hospital where my daughter was born, they had triplets born, and so the, the family named them Red, White, and Blue. Oh, for heaven's sake. Oh, that's cool. I'm sorry, what are their names? Red, white, and blue. White, red, and blue. Red, white, and blue. That's cool. That's cute. That's kind of cool. I like that. Samoan, it sounds, you know, different, you know, because Tony, they, you know, and in my classroom, I had a child named Va'a, which means boat, and I had... um. A little girl named Laloiti, which means keep her a secret. Huh. Uh, because the family cool. was embarrassed at having a blind child. Oh, oh that's, that's oh, bad. Ouch. Um, I didn't mean cool. to de. I didn't. Sorry, and, I didn't mean to derail things by bringing up a weird name. But I'm curious to know if the person who gave the baby away was ever found out what happened to the baby and got to know that the baby was well taken care of. Did that happen in this book or not we in this book? We don't oh, okay. No, no, and we don't know. The person yeah. who gave the baby away wasn't the mother. I think she was yeah. trying no, to take her out of an abusive aunt. situation. Uh, yeah, aunt. it was the baby's yeah. aunt. And yeah. she said her her sister was dead. Yeah. Yeah. And the, and she thought that maybe uh, Turtle was remembering uh, her mother being buried because she buried her right. dolls. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Oh. That's right. Oh, that's, it's kind of yeah. sad. Yeah, it sounds like it was a sad book. <laughs> well, Although Michelle, way, Michelle was saying they had a nice community of people that were helping, and that's yeah. yeah I think a few. And you know, it that. It, it, I, the ending is satisfactory. I thought, yeah. you know, it wasn't really a sad ending. It all worked <laughs> no. out. Yeah, no. she got the baby, and she got mm-hmm. to keep it. It was legal. Yeah, yeah. and so apparently, that's a happy yeah, ending. Yes, absolutely. 
I think and she, the couple got to their at, safe house in Oklahoma. So that's yeah. Good. She was looking at like a lot of social, you know, situations, so a lot of injustices that happen in the world, whether it's sure. the way immigration immigrants are sometimes treated or child abuse and and whatever. Right, and right. you know, it's those are tough topics to to read about. But I think there was a lot of hope, hopefulness and community in the book, which balanced it to a certain mm-hmm. extent and gave you you know a more positive feeling because it's hard sometimes to read books that are just bleak, 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 even though that often, you know, if you turn on the news, <laughs> that's the way it is a lot of times. But when you read a book, sometimes you, you want, well, you know, I, a little bit of balance to it if you can. Yeah, and everybody's, yeah, I think in everybody's life, if you think of life, I think don't go along just really as smooth as it could no. in a book. And yeah. so this book had, you know, some bumps and bruises in there, but isn't that what life is really about? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think the nice thing about it was when Taylor realized why the woman must have given her the baby, that it was being abused, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, that she accepted the baby where she was at and didn't, you know, didn't turn away. And the people that she met and was involved with, um, Luann Ruiz and, and her son, Sandy and, and her son, Seattle. Now, there's another baby with a wacko name, named oh. after a racehorse. Yep. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, all of those people just sort of accepted Turtle as she was. Yes. And did what they could to to support Taylor and to, you know, provide a warm, safe, community for the baby. I thought uh, I thought she was so lucky that the people she met, uh, she got, got uh, especially the job when she got working with the tire people, because it could have worked out the other way. You know, there's a lot of people these days living under bridges because, because they don't find someone that's really nice and help them with jobs and, and everything. So it doesn't turn out so good. You go to some place you've never been before. You don't have any money, uh, and then you find a place to live and uh, and find a, someone you w- wants to live with you. You know, for something you can afford and a job, get a job right away. Well, it could have turned out so much different, and she could have lived on the bridge. Well, um, but that would have been a bu- different book. Yeah, <laughs> that's. True. Well, it, I, it could I, have been just as crazy if she'd moved in with the first people that she went to talk to because they were nuts too. Yeah, yeah. sure was. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to tell us, Sherry, about the book for um, February? Yes. Um, this book is called Payday. Two words. It's by Rashonda, R E S H O N D A, Billingsley. B-I-L-L-I-N-G-S. I've heard this before. Oh, I've heard that. I've heard heard her before. It's 96640. It's a short book. It's only five hours. And it's about about a group of people in a workplace that win a lottery. And so that's interesting in itself. That's what has attracted me to the book. I must say that I didn't like a lot of these characters. So I'm warning you up front that you might not like them. But I found it... 
I still wanted to know how things turned out. So it wasn't like, I don't like these people. I'm not going to read it. It was like, oh, this person's kind of being a jerk, but I want to see what happens with their money. Yeah, <laughs> so, okay, interesting. Like oh, okay. Very good. So 96640, and it's called Payday. The is Friday, February 7th. Yes. Okay. So it's about five, five weeks from now. And Joni, yeah. do you want to tell us a little bit about Banquet of Books? Yeah, just let me just sure. type in here. Oh, he's brailing well, away here. Pardon? I said you, I was just saying you're busy brailing away. Did you get it all written down? Yes, I did. Thank <laughs> okay. you. Okay, you're welcome. I've got to go. I want to wish everybody a happy new year. I hope your year is uh, full of love and, pro- and that you're prosperous. So I'll, I'll see you next time. Thanks. Bye-bye. Okay. Thanks, Lola. Lola. You too. Happy new year. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad you're here. <laughs> well, um, uh, next Sunday, we have our Banquet of Books for January. It's the second Sunday of the month. I think it's the 12th. Thank yeah, you. the 12th. Yeah, yeah that's... I, written it, I, I wrote it down a long time ago, and then I couldn't remember the day. Anyway, January 12th, a Banquet of Books. For those that don't know about it, in Banquet, we discuss... Uh, books that people have read and liked or disliked, your opinion of uh, the books that you've read, whether you've, uh, what you thought of, of the book in a three to five minute synopsis. I don't want a four page book report. Just a little description of the book, hopefully the title, author, and, if possible, the book number. Um, And that's pretty much what Banquet is. We meet at 5 Eastern. Um, If Alan has a chance to send a note, that's fine. But we have so many regulars that come in that don't forget about us that it's thrilling to me. But if you have time, Alan, if you can send a notice, that would be good. I uh, will be sending out a newswire. Thank you, John. The Banquet of Books is pretty fun. I like, I like Banquet of Books. It's, it's pretty cool. Thank you. John, do you want to tell us about the group on uh, Tuesday? Yes, uh, Tuesday. We have, uh, it's called The Impeachers, The Dream for a Just Nation. And it's, I think it's Brenda Wineapple. I don't have the with me. I've been reading February's book, but uh, it's about the impeachment of Andrew Johnson, and it tells a lot about him. You, you, you kind of compare him and our current president somewhat. There's some similarities, but I, th- I think he functioned a little better <laughs> in some ways, but it, <laughs> it has a very sad, it doesn't have a happy, they try to make a positive ending, but, you know, a hundred years of Reconstruction is not good, but uh, yeah. he, he and Alan, can you tell us about World of, World of Books? Yeah, and, and I'll be sending out a reminder for Don's thing this you know, tomorrow. Oh, I'll, will you please? I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll send it out tomorrow. Uh, oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Worlds of Books meets the twenty-first uh, of the month, uh, it, uh, the third Tuesday of the month. It's late this month. It's called Sea Stories: My Life and Special Operations by. William H. McRaven, and he also uh, 
also narrates it too. So uh, I've not started it yet. So I'll be sending out a newswire on it too in, in a yeah. week or so. But uh, that's what we're talking about. And that, that makes 9 p.m. third Tuesday. And Randy, um, novel ideas is the novel ideas is the seventeenth at eight, and we're doing before and again by Barbara Delinsky nine one five seven zero. Great. Well, thank you everybody for coming. I'm I'm so glad we had such a nice turnout, and Sherry and I, of course, want to wish everybody a very very happy new year. And thank thank you so much, and um, I'm sure we'll see each other all in. And all of these these great groups that we have. Yep. Yep. Happy New Year, everybody. Thank you, Sherry. Happy New Year, everybody.